Welcome to the Wealth Builders Podcast. I'm Billy Epperhart, and on this show, you're going to hear from industry leaders in business, real estate, and investing. Our Wealth Builder coaches and myself are excited to teach you how to make sense of making money for making a difference. Okay, let's get started. Well, hello and welcome to this week's Wealth Builders Podcast. I'm Karen Conrad, Vice President of Wealth Builders, and I have got such a treat for you today. Our founder and CEO, Billy Epperhart, is on the podcast today. Yes, Karen, I'm excited to be here with you, and I don't have the opportunity to be able to be on all of them, but I'm excited today to be able to join everyone, and I'm looking forward to our time together. Ah, oh, thank you so much, and Today, Billy's going to be talking about real estate. He's got some great updates for us. He's going to talk a little bit about vacation rental markets. Uh, And many of you know that we just got done a few weeks ago with the April uh, Wealth Builders Real Estate Workshop, and it was our biggest workshop ever. And many of you were there, and we appreciate that so much. And so we're just going to continue on that topic this week. So, Billy, we are excited to hear about all your real estate updates. (laughs) Okay, well, let's kind of get started just with some, I think, some really pertinent information, just some quick updates on things. And I want to talk about inflation and interest rates here in just a second. But right now, as of today, this is May the 18th, 2023, I think the average 30-year fixed rate mortgage stands at about 6.52%. And uh, that's just the average, right? So you can buy down rates. You can sometimes, based on your credit score, you can get a better rate or a lower rate based, uh, you know, a a higher rate or a lower rate based on your credit score. But also right now that uh, what's going on is that what we call the Fed or our central uh, reserve, banking reserve we have here in the U.S., They've actually raised rates. Uh, sometimes people don't think of it like this, so I want to let you know where we are. They've actually raised rates 10 meetings in a row. And so, so 10 Fed meetings in a row, they've actually raised interest rates. And so now, because of that, primarily because of those rate raises, uh, previously owned homes are actually down in sales 22% just since this time last year. So it means that the market is softening. And actually, I hadn't even told you this even off microphone, away from the microphone, but we actually said we would let people know to start looking. And so if we just look across the country, now not every market is 22% down, okay? I just want to be clear. This is the average across the, the U.S., but this is the U.S. market, and this is according to the National Association of Realtors. Uh, as of the, the date we're talking today, May the 18th, that homes are down 22%. So I have said to people historically that you'd start looking when homes get down to their, you know, de- soften at 20, uh, down to 20%. And so obviously those are, People are listening to this podcast from all over the world, um, uh, all of the Western nations. We know we have listeners in all of those nations. So you'll have to look, first of all, at your country and your nation. But then secondly, 
you have to look at the localities, the specific areas where you are. So either the cities or the states, the counties, what whatever the municipality areas you are, because not every area is down that much. Some are actually down more. So you'll just have to kind of look at that. But what it does tell us, generally speaking, is that it may be a good time to start looking. And this is the first time I've said that on the podcast since we have come through. This is the first time I've mentioned it in a workshop. Uh, so this is today, and this podcast is the first time. So 22% is a big deal. I want to say to every to everyone listening, there are markets that are not down. In other words, there are places where, where houses are still selling, you know, for what they were last year. Or, you know, we got markets that may be 2% down, not 22%, but 2%. And so you just have to get to know your market. But it does tell you that things are starting to soften in the market when we when we see statistics like that. Yeah. Then the other one. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say that um, you, you've always shared that that real estate is a, a local industry. Right. 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 But... Um, this is a really big deal, and I just want to make sure that people are hearing this because you have been talking about this for about 18 months, mm-hmm. and people have been waiting, is now the time, is now the time. And what you just said is what you were projecting, what you were thinking was going to happen has happened, and now's the time for people to start really taking a look at purchasing, correct? No, that's correct. And now you have to look at your local areas. Because, you know, the first response we're going to get back when I look, you know, in my neighborhood and we're either even with last year or maybe we're two or three percent down. But the truth is, across America, the average is just down 22 percent. And I said to everyone publicly in many, I don't know how many forums I've been in, but going back actually in the in our events, probably 18 months, but I also was talking to uh, you know our coaching clients and others through that period of the two years when we started seeing it was at the time when the rates started being raised so we'd have to go back but when you look at 10 fed meetings right so that's going back a little over two years so we i started saying then that you gotta we gotta we're gonna have to watch the rates because it will cause real estate to soften and as i've said many times and say here on this podcast is so important the one advantage that real estate has right now is that is that the inventories across the country have been so low. And so one of the things that you have to start watching is inventory. That means the number of homes that are for sale on any given day. And the way you look at that is that, okay, if I took all those homes that are for sale on any given date, how long would it take all of them to sell? And so if you look at a really, what we used to call a hot market, it'd take three months. But we, we've been, we've just come through markets, you know, a year ago where homes were selling in two hours, you know, and, and if a home stayed on the market for a week, that was way too long. So we came out of this just sizzling, sizzling hot market, and now the markets are starting to stabilize. But when we hear something like this statistic, from the National Association of Realtors, it, it it should cause all serious investors and those that are interested to get their antennas up and start looking. And very candidly, you know, I'm looking too. I've, I've said I would and I am. And so uh, you still have to make good deals. And we, I don't know that 
on this podcast, we'll have time to talk about what does that really mean. But, you know, you, you do still need to be smart about what you're doing regardless. But it lets us know it's time to start looking. I would say that we're definitely continuing because we're talking about interest rates. Mm -hmm. And the reason that the Fed was raising interest rates and the reason they did it 10, in 10 different meetings in a row, the reason they did that is because of inflation. So we had inflation that got up in that 8%, 8.5% range. And so they started raising rates and inf inflation has started to cool, but it's also been very stubborn. Even with these interest rates uh, rises, uh, it's, it's more stubborn than the Fed thought it was going to be. So the point is they're going to continue to raise rates uh, until they see that. Now, right now, they've kind of let us know, the chairman, uh, Powell, has kind of let us know, the Fed, that, well, we may, we may, we may wait and see. We, we're going to take a little while longer. I think that may be the case. But other things that I'm looking at is telling me that as they look at inflation, it's not coming down where they would like it to. And so because of that, somewhere here, maybe not the next meeting, but I think it's possible at the next meeting they'll actually raise it another 25 basis points, which is a quarter of a percent. So that, that makes your mortgage rates go up as well. Yeah, that's one of the questions as you were sharing. Uh, first of all, is this unprecedented? Has there been another time in history where the Fed has raised 10, now probably 11 times in a row? Well, the, the only the, the, there's only a couple of times, and the one time that we can compare it to that's the most relevant is, is 1979, 1980, 1981, where Reagan just jumped in and raised those rates. You know, if you remember, it got up to 17, 18%. Some people listening are old enough. And then if you, if you know, and, and, and Karen, we have a powerful graph on that where it shows how that the peak of those interest rates in 1981-82, right, they started 79-80. It actually really started in 80 when Reagan was elected and came in. Then in 81 and 82, which have really, which would have been about uh, nine or 10 Fed meetings through there that they had raising rates, they kept bumping them up. And, uh, and then if, if you see where those rates started coming down, you see over from 1981 until last year, just so we're clear here, going through COVID, the whole thing, that if you look at it, when those rates came down and they reached the bottom during COVID, right, and actually right after COVID, and they started reaching the bottom, if you look, it's just one trend line that just goes down all the way to 2022. And if you look at the stock market and you look at housing, single family housing, what we call residential housing, if you look at that, then those that trend line continued to go up and it formed a very remarkable X starting back in 1980-81 going all the way to 2022. The rates came down and then from 1981 to 2022, the stock market and housing went up. And so what's happened, people don't realize that long. I mean, that's a long-term trend. You're talking 40, well, over 40 years of what we've seen happening. So some people that are listening are obviously not 40 years old. And so, but we've been in this macro trend that now uh, I'm not, I'm not completely sure where we're going to go. Here's what I think. 
and I've written this down, I actually think that the Fed is, that inflation is eventually here in the next, uh, within the next 12 months, we're going to see it really start coming down. I think interest rates will come down. Now, I've got three scenarios on interest rates that I've brought here that today for this podcast of, of what we actually can see. And uh, one of those scenarios, in scenario one, I've listed inflation will continue to remain high, and it's going to force the Fed to raise interest rates, I, I don't have a better word, repeatedly, they're, they're, until they, they get it washed out of the economy. Um, and that means that 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 it, a mortgage rates for housing could get up near 8.5%. And I think that's that's a possibility. Now, that happens, then I'm saying on here now that you're going to see real estate. Right now, we're at 22% average across, you know, 30% would not be uh, unheard of in that kind of market that real estate has gone down. That doesn't mean every market's going to go down that much. Because remember, inventory being low is still keeping prices in some areas pretty firm. Scenario two, uh, and that's when the consumer price, we call it the CPI, the consumer price index responds more to the Fed's rate. And there's a gradual deceleration of inflation. And that's going to cause mortgage rates to kind of stabilize in that 7 to 7.5% range for 2023 but then in scenario three the the fed raises rates repeatedly to curb inflation and the economy actually falls into a recession now i personally believe can i say for absolute certain no i can't say but i personally believe that we are going into a wrecking let me i'm having to change my words here use them we're going to go into a recognized recession that we've already been in recessionary time. We're going to go into, you know, the White House is not going to say it's a recession. So we're going, I think we're going to go into a recognized recession. And in doing so, I think that what will happen then is interest rates will then go down. So in scenario three, that the Fed will start loosening uh the meaning loosening as far instead of tightening, which is what they're doing, they'll start loosening the money and coming down, and we could we could get uh, mortgage rates to drop as low as five percent. So that's a pretty good general analysis of just kind of the scenarios of of where we are. And on this on this on the Wealth Builders podcast, we'll continue to come back. And talk about these things, you know, to kind of help people know. Uh, but th- that's that's a general sense of where we are. But let's let's establish this: we are down on the average of twenty two percent across the country here in the U.S. And so, with some markets have not taken that hit yet, but some have. And so that's why wealth builders we want to try to keep people informed. Of, of where things are. By the way, that statistic is actually as of today. Because the, the fact, in fact, they're releasing another one at, at I think it was ten o'clock Central Time. So that's so interesting. And one of the questions we get from people looking at real estate is, 
with the interest rates being at this level, because many, many people have not seen the interest rates that, that we talk about, you know, that are more traditionally in the six to 8%. Right. So they're wondering with interest rates being so high, is it still a good time to buy? You know, what would be a good strategy for somebody that doesn't want to get locked into that 8% interest rate? Well, I, you know, the, the first thing I always say, and now we're talking about investment property, okay? Um, I want to make sure I'm clear here. I'm not necessarily talking about the house you're going to live in, but 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 the way I'm going to explain it would apply to the house you're going to live in, but it specifically applies to investment property. The way you look at it, your first consideration on investment property is not what the interest rate is. Your first consideration is what will my positive cash flow in from rent be with a 7% interest rate or or with an 8% interest rate what so some people will automatically say well my cash flow is going to be bad well what you need to know is is that rents will continue to go up under several economic scenarios especially during inflation rents definitely will go up and the only time that rents ever go down historically is when instead of being in inflation, right, we're in that we're in that uh, deflation that starts happening. You get in a deflationary period. In stagflation, rents hold up pretty good, but in deflation, then then and really to get to a real deflation where rents really go down, you're you're you know you're not just in the Great Recession because in the Great Recession, rents have ticked up. What you have to get back to the Great Depression. So you have to get in depressionary economic times to see rents go down. So here's the point. It's not just what the interest rate is, it's what your cash flow could be or should be based on what you're purchasing. So the one percent rule that we give that is that we we try to talk about it enough so everybody and those that have been around investment real estate know the one percent rule just simply means if I I'm going to pay $100,000 for a house, an investment property, then I want to make $1,000 a month in rent, right? So it's that monthly, gross monthly rent rule that you that we use, and it's called the 1% rule. Now, here's where I'm headed with that. And I don't know that I've ever said this on a podcast, so I'm going to say it here for the first time, is that those rules, that rule, that 1% rule was is based on a 6 to 7% interest rate. So that 1% rule, because what could happen when we were buying investment properties and we were able to buy them with 3% interest rate, you could still make money on rents that a month, the gross monthly rent that was less than 1%. And the reason you could is because your interest rate was so low that you could make money. So anyone who bought during that time and, and bought investment property with those low rates and you locked it in then you're in good shape. Now, you know the story. I told my kids that, and I told my son and my daughter-in-law, you buy all the house you personally can afford to live in because rates have never been this low in history, and they did, and they locked in a 2.75% 30-year mortgage, and now my and uh, my daughter-in-law thinks, you know, I know what I'm talking about. So <laughs> she goes, she called, they called me Papa, and they said, man, you better listen to Papa tells you about interest rates you better listen so that's a that's a quick family story there but i told him i said i'm gonna give you all my best advice i don't have any better advice but 
You need to lock in. You need to go find the house you think is your dream house that you can reasonably afford and buy it now. They did, and they bought it at the right time. Wow, it's so good. And uh, two, if we can get the cash flow, and you usually give the guideline of a minimum of $300 per door on single family. So if someone's able to hit that cash flow now at the higher interest rates, then potentially when interest rates go down, if they do a refi, they'll actually be in even a better shape, right? Absolutely. So there's two scenarios there. One is you can actually just uh, refi what you owe on it, or you can do an actual cash out refi where, uh, you know, some states don't allow Texas is a little bit funny on that, but the, but on the, but most states you can actually do that and you can actually take it out. Now my, my suggestion would be, unless you're actively investing, you just refi what you owe. But the good news is, is you can refi, take money out, go buy another property and maintain your $300 a month cash flow, go buy another property that also is producing three hundred a month. So instead of having one property that's cash flowing three hundred, you now have two properties. Each one is cash flowing three hundred. Now you have six hundred dollars a month uh, in positive cash flow. And uh, you know, in in my my scenario, going back many years ago, you know, I remember the first time I hit about uh, right at twenty thousand dollars a month in positive cash flow. I don't know that I've ever said that. Wow. That's Repla- I remember I replaced my income with positive cash flow. And at the time I replaced my income was about 180,000. And so whatever that, that comes out to 15, 18,000 a month, something like that. And so when you look at that, it's about 50,000, uh, 15,000 a month. So, uh, you know, you, you start adding and subtracting, but I had some properties that were single family. Of course I had some other stuff, but I had some single fam- family properties that were positive cash flow in five to 600 a month. And so when you do that, that's, uh, and honestly, those investments back in those days were not large investments for that level of cash flow. Oh, wow, Billy. That's really great. I I think um, for like, I'm understanding for the first time that actually the opportunity is coming even at the higher interest rates, being able to cash flow where interest rates are today is actually a real wealth builder for the future with the strategy that you just described. It is. And what you have to remember is, is that sometimes your costs are no, once the whole market recognizes this, is, this means, you know, I, I call it, there has to be a social awareness in people's minds that the market has flipped and that we're now in a different economic scenario with interest rates. And so the reason I say that is because then if prices drop that 22%, which now is a firm statistic nationally, if you look at that, then what has happened is, is that you actually are buying the houses for less money. So even though the interest rates are going up, your principal cost is less. And so because your cost is less, then therefore your payment will be less relative to the cost. It'll be higher relative to interest, but it'll be lower relative to cost. So therefore, sometimes in the right scenario, you're not really paying more every month for it. Now, if you're buying and you're still up close to where houses are, then you then you are paying more. But if you're still cash flowing, then once rates go down, which they will at some point, then you can refi and definitely have a lot better cash flow. 
But just remember, that's why I say you wait till you get down. One of the reasons I say, I, I told everybody, look, really it's 18 months, 24 months ago, look, we're going to watch. And when housing gets down to 20%, I said, I'm going to start buying. Well, because when you look at it, then it almost evens out. Not quite, but it almost evens out to where your costs are similar. They're still a little higher. Uh, houses go down 30%, it'll even out. All right, that is exciting. You know, Billy, we talk about it once in a while, um, but we actually have a real estate coaching program where we've got over 60 people that are uh, coaching clients with us right now. We've been on some consultations with people that are looking at getting into real estate. And just from what you said, this is really a great time for somebody to take a look at that coaching program. And I just want to let our listeners know that if you are interested and you are serious about getting in the game, I believe our Wealth Builders Real Estate Coaching is the best around. That's what we're hearing from our coaching clients as well. And if you are interested uh, in a consultation, you can actually email us at info at wealthbuilders.org. And uh, we're happy to hop on a Zoom with you and just talk to you about that program but it just sounds like there's so much potential right ahead of us, Billy, and it's it's the perfect time for somebody to look at getting in the game. No, it is, and you got to get in the game. You know, you know. I say people ask me for years, you know, at all the events and conferences, you know, Billy, I have $1,000. What should I invest in? I always answer, you should invest in yourself. They'll say, I have $5,000 to invest. What should I invest in? I say, you should invest in yourself. They say, I have $10,000. What should I invest in? I say, you should invest in yourself because the money is attracted, not pursued. And what that means is, is that you gain the knowledge and the understanding and the wisdom to be able to know what to do. And in the process of knowing what to do, that's why we call it making sense of making money for making a difference. So the idea is, is you apply yourself to knowledge, understanding, and wisdom and real understanding you you can you get the knowledge in the coaching program, but where real understanding comes is you're being coached while you actually get in the game, while you go look at properties and you come back to the coaches and go listen. I'm looking at this property and this you know this is happening. What should I do? And the coaches will tell you what you should do or what you should ask or what you should not do. And so it really you really develop understanding and then. In that order, wisdom then comes. You as you get in the game and learn, then wisdom comes. And so that's why coaching is so valuable. Karen, you know that I never really wanted to do coaching from a standpoint of 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 people, us offering coaching at wealth builders, but you know, you guys all convinced me let's do it. And now of course there's a lot of water under the bridge when when I don't know if people realize how big a deal that is, but we have sixty active coaching clients. I don't know how many we've had historically, but it's been a lot. And um, it's amazing to see what the Lord's doing really all over the country uh, with with people who've got into the coaching program. Yeah, it's it's true. We got to hear some amazing testimonies at the last real estate workshop. And we even have international clients. You know, the things that you teach, Billy, are there's different guidelines in each country, but the foundation of it is consistent. And we just put out on our YouTube channel and on social media, too, this amazing story of a couple from England that took what you were teaching and they were up to, I think it was six or eight properties and 
they're cash flowing in. And, and so you were saying too, like this even works in England. <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh, you know, I love the UK and I love the people in the UK, but you know, some of their policies are definitely socialist policies economically where I'm talking about here and they're socialist policies, but yet here, here's this young couple. I mean, they are, it's amazing to see what they're doing and to see what they've accomplished. And, uh, they've used a lot of wisdom and, uh, but yeah, when I was over there, I don't know how many years ago and I met Ruth and, uh, and then later she got married. I met her and her husband the last time I was there and to see that testimony, it's, it's truly life changing, uh, to even watch it. Even if you're just watching it, it's amazing to, it really impacts you. Yeah. It, it's, it's so amazing. And Billy, a lot of our coaching clients too, and the people that have been attending the workshops or listening to a podcast like this are so interested in vacation rentals. And there is a real opportunity with vacation rentals. Um, there's a lot that people need to be aware of, but you've been doing some research on that and you've had vacation rentals. And I think you've got some top locations that you might share with us on opportunities with those can you share those with us man i can and so I'll, I'll probably hit this pretty quick but i saw this um and it came from a, a group i'll give them a little shout out called evolve and it's an actual vacation rental booking platform and um, there was 10 of them that were listed and the reason that i went ahead and you wanted to use this list is because really my hometown where i kind of grew up is is on this list and it's not specifically my hometown but my hometown was right by it it's where i surfed coming up my whole, from my junior high days on up either have somebody take me to the beach or of course when i got in high school i drive myself i owned i don't know how many surfboards but through that time and so but so i'll get down to that one i think it's on number five but number 10 that's listed is wyndham new york it's actually you know, they're calling it here the gym of the Catskills. Of course, the Catskill Mountains in, in New York. And the median home listing price there is four fifty nine, four hundred is about four hundred and sixty thousand. And the median annual gross rental revenues uh is about forty six, forty seven thousand. So that's pretty good. good. Obviously, let's just say here quickly that with Airbnb, which of course some of these are obviously, but with Airbnb and VRBO, we're you know we're not teaching what the downsides are. Like you know you have to watch your HOAs, you have to make sure municipalities allow those those short term rentals. So with all that said and done, these these are good cash flows, right? And and yeah. these these cash flows being up here, like they are primarily because of Airbnb and VRBO. Just so we're clear. And then in Redoso, New Mexico, it, of course, it's in the mountains there of New Mexico for skiing. And the median home listing price, it was actually a surprise to me, so you know, was it's 200, about $243,000, but the gross annual rent is about 22000 So anytime you start seeing that, that's uh, more of a 1% annual return. The 1% uh, monthly is, is, is obviously more than that but then in new hampshire north conway the median home listing it's number eight is uh let me get if this back is 
357000 and the gross rent's about 40000 41000 So that's pretty good. Really good. Uh, Oregon, in Walport, Oregon, number seven. Walport, Oregon's number seven. And the median home listing price is about 380000 and the median annual gross rent is uh, about 42000 Uh Branson, Missouri's at number six. And the median, this is amazing, the median home listing price is 180000 Oh, my goodness, that's low, isn't it? It is. And the median annual gross rental revenue is about 22000 Wow. In uh, Surfside Beach, Texas, number five, that's where I'm from. And it's a seaside town, right? It's right up, believe me, back in those days, I could drive, you literally could drive on the beach with your car. You still can, but now you got to pay to get in. But you could drive, you could drive for 20 miles on that beach. I mean, it was one of the most, I guess, you know, the word untouched beaches, uh, so to speak, as far as crowds anywhere. It was hard to get to from Houston at during those days. Now that some of the main roads have come in, there's a whole lot more demand for rentals and things in there. But the the median home price there is about 278000 on the beach, in that beach area. And uh, the, the rents, though, are about 42000 wow. So pretty strong. Really strong. Really strong. And then in Bryson City, North Carolina, uh, that's really, it's, it's a gateway to the Smoky Mountains, Great Smoky Mountains. And... It's uh, median home price is about one hundred ninety four thousand, and its median annual gross rent is thirty two thousand. Oh so, my goodness, that's almost two percent. Yeah, that's that's worth. How much did they pay to listen to this podcast? Because I did important <laughs> work the price of the chicken, whatever. Well, it's free. <laughs> free. <laughs> and then in Tennessee, I think it's Searville, Severville, Tennessee. Median home price is two hundred and ninety-seven thousand, but the median annual gross is fifty-one thousand. So it's, of course, it's right where Dollywood is, and also as a gateway to the Great uh, Smoky Mountain National Park. So it's, uh, you know, it's 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 quite a location. And then uh, number two is McKaysville, McKaysville, Virginia. And it's right by it's Gateway to Shenandoah National Park and the Appalachian Trail, which is a big deal. And the median home listing price there is 265000 but the median annual gross rent is almost 50000 Wow, that's getting to be some serious cash flow there. That's really strong cash flows if you look at what it costs you. And then, so that really, seriously, this is valuable information it is. for anyone that really really is interested and then in the Poconos in Pennsylvania and of course there that it's it's there uh, in the Poconos in Pennsylvania the mountains uh and it's uh it's at about 199,000 median price this is number 1 199,000 and it has a $42,000 uh annual rent revenue so those are that's just a top 10 list of kind of some places that most of us have never heard of. That is so good, Billy. Really strong rents and low prices. 
Yeah. And one of the things that we we actually talked about vacation rentals in the last workshop. And so those of you listening, um, if you want to hear those sessions more about it uh, or even just get the entire workshop, we've got a USB that is available. It's got the video, audio, all the PowerPoints. To me, it's like the best deal ever. And you can purchase that on our website. You can go to wealthbuilders.org and go to the shop and it's available for you. Uh, but Billy, what's really exciting about this is it offers some diversity for people. So you talk about different exit strategies and having a mixture of some buy and hold, some flips, some vacation rentals. And so the combination of that, it just seems like it can really reach those cash flows quickly when you pay attention to these right markets. Yeah, you can. And I think, you know, the key, of course, is, is uh, especially with short term, is, is the property management because uh, in, in true Airbnbs and VRBOs, you know, you're, you're actually furnishing the property, of course, and then, you know, the beddings and the towels and the plates and the forks and all the stuff they would need to come, like being at a hotel. But there are companies that will do that for you. That's going to take some of your cash flow, but the other the other part. Remember, uh, what what we want to make sure of with anyone, whether it's vacation or buy and hold, for uh, what we call long term rents. The issue is you still have to cash flow, and so. But if as long as you're putting in your expenses and your cash flow, and you have a positive cash flow, then uh, then you're covered. Plus, you remember. The big money in real estate, remember, we buy for income, but we hold we hold for the appreciation. So the big money in real estate is made when you ride out real estate for uh, at least two cycles. So if you can ride real estate for two cycles, some people, you know, who've been in a long time like me, we may say three cycles. But if you, you know, my experience has been so far that if you can if you can hold uh, for two cycles, typically you do really good while you're putting money in your pocket. So always remember that while you're putting money in your pocket, right, your investment is paying you, and it's appreciating in value. So that's there's not a you really don't the closest other investment that gets close to that is what we would call a direct wellhead investment that has the same protection against inflation. And also is paying you. So, and of course, there's higher risk in direct wellhead investments. There's great tax write-offs, though. So, I think as you as you look at it, uh, you know, we could compare it to stocks and dividend-paying stocks, and to kind of show people uh, the difference in return. So, always remember, there's three things you need to make money. You actually, there's two you actually got to have, but there's three that you have to use. And one is knowledge, right? You got to have understanding, wisdom, so knowledge. Number two is time. And number three is money. So if you have, if you don't have a lot of money, then you have to be willing to get a lot of knowledge and you have to be willing to invest a lot of time. Now, if you have a lot of money, right, or more money than you do time or knowledge, then you need to pick one of them. So you can do money and knowledge, or you can do money and time. But the the truth is you got to have two of those three to be able to make money. And so people, they say, well, is there a shortcut? No, there's going to be, you got those three, you get to pick two. And so whichever one you have the most of, or you're willing to commit to the most, 
then you get to eliminate one of those. But now if you put all three of them together, you can make money really quick. Oh, wow. Billy, this is amazing. Real estate is um, just such a great opportunity for people. And you really provide great examples and knowledge of how you built wealth through real estate. And that same opportunity is there for all of us. So I just want to give people a quick reminder of a couple things. Um, first of all, if you are ready to get in the game and you're interested in coaching, you can email us at info at wealthbuilders.org and we're happy to set up a 30-minute free consultation with you. Also, Billy, we've got a brand new Wealth Builders Real Estate Masterclass that is coming out and uh, we're just finishing the editing on that. We've actually got a whole... A lesson or course on vacation rentals. We've got Bill Bronchick on there, Frank Pulley, Mike Davis, yourself. And that is a way to really get immersed in what Billy's been talking about here with real estate. And so just watch for that. It's coming soon. Again, just keep up to date with all these things at wealthbuilders.org. So, Billy, thank you so much for spending time today and just going through this. It's been an amazing podcast. Thank you, Karen. I appreciate your leadership and all you're doing in Wealth Builders. And our heart, all of our hearts, is to be able to help people make sense of making money for make a difference, for making a difference. And so it's a privilege and an honor to be here. And I'm excited about Wealth Builders and where we're all going together. Oh, awesome. So thanks, everybody, for joining us on this podcast today. We sure appreciate you and uh, share this with friends, family that are interested in learning how to build wealth uh, through God's way. We really appreciate it. God bless you and make it a great rest of the day. Thanks for listening to the Wealth Builders Podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review the show. You want to learn more about who we are? Visit our website at wealthbuilders.org and check us out on Facebook. We'll see you next time.